This is Laree Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. Y'all know we've had Georgia on our mind for quite some time because God, please, please be merciful. Be merciful. Georgia, go vote. Uh, but I'm also concerned about the other states in the union. We've got several uh, that have my eye of concern upon them. One of them is the great state of Ohio. I have never really thought of Ohio as a deeply red state, although it keeps disappointing me and turning redder and redder and redder. And yet I know that there are amazing organizers, awesome people who have very progressive agendas and, and a, a vision for an Ohio that is going to be equitable for all who are still there and I'm like do we do y'all need to send a bad signal should we come get y'all out what is happening I think they would say nah Larry we good we got this in fact my next guest is going to be someone who helps us unpack just how good they do have this I is Prentice Haney the co-executive director of Ohio Organizing Collaborative yes there is a thing and y'all should know about it and support it uh, Prentice Haney is the co-executive director of the OOC uh, he is a veteran community organizer and a strategist whose work has been featured in the Atlantic the Guardian MSNBC, PBS NewsHour, and Blavity. In 2019, he stepped into leadership at the Ohio Organizing Collective after previously serving as the executive director of the Ohio Student Association. Uh, he's got all the degrees. He did all the work, yada, yada. He's brilliant. We'll share out his bio. I could read it literally for the next five minutes and not be done. Apprentice uh, Haney, it is such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Lori. I'm glad to be here and talk about it. And you might need to send a bat signal out, but we're out here fighting hard for our state. I'm just saying, <laughs> brother, blink twice in a red, black, and green font if you need help. <laughs> we should send it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. So talk to us, those who are not familiar with the great state of Ohio, talk with us about how you see the opportunities that currently exist in this state and some of the challenges that exist with regards to setting a political agenda and having elected officials who are going to be able to advocate uh, for the world as you think it should be. Yes, thank you. So I want to say something just to set it straight. If you don't remember anything else I say, remember this line, the people of Ohio is not the same thing as the electorate of Ohio. Oh. I'm gonna say it again. Mm. The people of Ohio is not the same thing as the electorate of Ohio. How do you because differentiate look, those? Because the people of Ohio, people like me and you, we live, my, my mom, my grandmother, who live in the city, they go to work, they care for people, they teach people in schools, they clean up the streets, they try to figure out how to live a good life. And they have a lot of issues they care about. They care about their health care, they care about schools, they care about, you know, gun control, they care about a bunch of different things. Those people don't necessarily mean, does it, those people don't necessarily vote. They don't necessarily have access to voting. They might not even know how to participate in the democratic system. Now, that is distinct because there's more people in Ohio who want very like very simple things like a fair democracy who want to make sure that they can you know send their child to school and they come home safe so they want to make sure that they have health care that can take care of themselves and their family food on the table a good wage most people want that no matter what you look like or where you come from but then when we talk about the electorate of ohio the electorate of ohio which is both the people who choose to vote and the people who get to vote, the people who choose to vote and get to vote tend to not want those same things, <laughs> wow. you know, that they, those folks are disproportionately representing um, interests that want to strip our rights, 
um, that uh, want to make sure that we don't have this sort of healthcare system, make sure that we don't have gun control, make sure we don't have the things we want. Even in those folks who get the vote, a lot of them still want the same things they do where we want, but they're not the majority. Mm-hmm. Our democracy is the majority. And so if the majority of people want a set of priorities, you would imagine that a majority of people would vote. But in this last election, um, 500,000 less people voted wow. in this election in 2018, the last midterm gubernatorial election, 500 less people. So if you got if you take 500 less people out of the election mm-hmm. who don't vote and you pair that with voter purging, purging is literally when someone like Frank LaRose, who's our secretary of state, literally takes someone off the rolls because they haven't voted in the last two two cycles. So, you know, they might have said, you know, I went voting in 2016, but, you know, I don't really care about politics now or I don't care about who's on the ballot. So they haven't voted since. Now, when they decide to go vote this year, they couldn't because they were purged. They were taken off of that role. So if you take a million people, one million since the purge started, a million people purged from oh the rolls, a million less people participating. And then there's 1.5 million unregistered voters who are Black, Latino, uh, other people of color, and young people who are not registered in the state, then guess what? Mm-hmm. You have an electorate that's in Ohio that is different from the people of Ohio. And guess what? That electorate is deciding our future. But the wow. people of Ohio actually deserve more better. And that's the reason why the Ohio Organizing Collaborative exists, because we know that everyday Ohioans actually want material condition changes, con- material condition changes. And in order to do that, we have to transform the electorate of Ohio to match the people of Ohio. Because guess what? When we're in a fair fight, we win. Mm. When we're in a fair fight, we actually get the things that people want. So my name is Prentice Haney. I'm the co-executive director of the Ohio Organizing Collaborative. We're the largest community organizing organization in the state of Ohio. You're like, so what does that mean? What it means is that we organize four different constituents that we believe are the main people who should be part of in driving the electorate of Ohio. One, college students and young people. You know, there's 1.9 million 18 and 29 year olds in the state of Ohio, 440,000 of them are in college universities. There's 24 um, state institutions that they are a part of. Those folks should be a part of our electorate and making their voices heard. Um, The second group of people we organize are formerly incarcerated persons um, and their families. Mm -hmm. There's nearly a million people in the state of Ohio with a felony conviction most of which are living in the shame and um, of coming home or having that, that 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 scarlet letter of a felony on their record. And they're just trying to restore their dignity and restore their hope to be able to live in their community as duly, duly, um, um, duly um, um, citizens who actually have, who want to make a life better for themselves. Mm. So we, we fight for those folks because they're coming home and trying to build a life better for themselves. Third is we fight for workers who are um, in the care economy. You know, one of the growing economies in Ohio and in the country is that our country is aging. It's, a, it's a getting older right. in here. So you got both young folks are being born who need care. And then you have our, our parents and our grandparents who need care. In our state, one of the largest economies is the care economy. That economy is mostly powered by women of color, Black women specifically, in the state of Ohio. And guess what? When you have an economy powered by Black women, it is usually the one that's devalued and the most underpaid. And so we organize Black women, women of color who are care workers, child care providers, and the families they serve to get what they deserve for the invisible economy that they're 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 powering to allow all of us to go to work and get what we need to, to survive. Mm. And then the fourth group is our people of faith. 
our clergy, our lay leaders, because we know that uh, all transformation, lots of transformation has happened through history, has happened through institutions of faith. Uh, you know, I don't know what your faith background is, but we know that Jesus, regardless of who you, if you know him as your, your Lord and Savior or not, he was a poor man who fought with the people, you know, and as a story, as a, as a leader, he was an organizer. And so we look at him, we look at other folks, other faith traditions, we look at um, the church as the anchor of Black civic life. It's the anchor institution inside of that. So we organize people of faith. So students and young people, formerly incarcerated persons, women of color who are child care providers and people of faith, when they come together, we're fighting to build a multiracial democracy in Ohio that can look like all of us and that can thrive for all of us around racial economic justice issues. So our members are fighting around that every day. And then when they when it's time to go out and vote, what they go out and do is they register voters. We run the largest nonpartisan voter engagement program in the state. We registered huh. over 400,000 voters this year since the inception of our program. And wow. so when we say we do the work, we do the work. <laughs> I see. And having these four different groups of people, I think you how many college students did you say? I was trying to write down the number really quickly because I'm going through 440,000 college students in um, public higher education uh, institutions in the state. So between the 400, that's almost half a million people right there. You got a million formerly incarcerated. Let's say half a million yeah. in the care economy, half a million people. That's a good, yeah. that's almost three, four million people right there, Prentice. If those folks were active voters, Ohio would be so blue, it'd be Smurf blue. Like, so how Listen. do we how do we get that 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 question? Because I think what you're highlighting is something that we also saw in Louisiana. The electorate of Louisiana, not the same as the people of Louisiana. And when yeah. we think about it, when the way that you broke it down, I, I so appreciated that because it feels to me like when we break it down in this way, one thing becomes crystal clear that the people are often the least of these. The people of a state are often the people who most desperately need to have effective leadership. The electorate tends to be the more privileged, better connected group of folks. How do we flip that? What do the mechanics look like now that you've identified these four different groups? And y'all, please take notes because those of you who are thinking about how to replicate uh, these types of movements in your own community, we ain't just having this conversation for us to all be all willy-nilly. It's for you to take notes and figure out how you can replicate this in your home state. How do you, for example, with college, uh, college students and young people, we know that they made a huge difference in this election, so much so that people are like, well, my God, should we focus more on the youth i'm like duh come on what are you doing but like how do you take a group like that and convert them what is the conversion process to go from being a people of the state to being the electorate of the state actually look like and listen i'm so glad you're taking notes writing down numbers because it really is that simple it's not copious my audience no i do <laughs> notes i do notes okay I one do. thing i do well is copious notes <laughs> right because there is more people that can make the people of ohio match the electorate of ohio so we do got a plan. We actually are exercising a plan to make that happen. So part of what is happening in the state of Ohio and around the country, frankly, is that there are certain politicians who do not want the people of a country or people of a state or people of even a community to be the elected of that community because they know that if that's true, there's a fair fight for them to win. Mm -hmm. So what is happening in Ohio is that we are fighting for structural democracy reform. Structural democracy reform allows us to actually get into a fair fight. So I'm gonna talk about two things, and then we gotta talk about this amazing program ran by the Loach family and how they are fighting every day to make this happen. Okay. But the two the two things that will create structural democracy reform in Ohio is one, fair maps around mm. redistricting, 
And then number two is AVR, SDR. And I'm gonna explain that in one second. Let's talk about fair match one second. Please. You know, a lot of a lot of communities, you know, that might have heard this word gerrymandering, gerrymandering. People be like, what is that? That sounds like an animal. That sounds like something I don't want to touch. But it's not even that complicated. Gerrymandering is literally a word to explain political cheating. Cheaters, people who cheat, cheat regular folks from a duly electing people of their choosing. You know, when me and you go out and cast our ballot, we should be able to cast a ballot for a candidate that we want, we want and our vote count as much as the person next to us. That's right. When people gerrymander mass, which is political cheating, they take away our ability to elect someone of our choosing because then they pack our votes in districts that don't allow our votes to count as much. So what's happened in Ohio is that over the last 10 years, they have politically cheated, have rigged the maps mm. so that people who look like me and you, when we go out and vote, either our votes is packed into a district that's already going to win for a particular candidate, or it is diluted in a district so that we could never elect someone that we want to choose. So audience, that has let, let's pause you right there. I want to make sure that we're clear about this, because one thing I do love is some census and some redistricting. So one thing I just audience, when we talk about packing, cracking and stacking, these are language terms. That we should all know Urban View, but we might have some new newcomers here. So let's just make sure we're on the same page. Let's say you have a group of, I don't know, a thousand families. And according to the population of that state, those thousand families could make up enough to be competitive and have a good uh, uh, plurality or be able to secure a candidate of their choice in maybe two or three districts. But if I see that and I'm in a position of power and I don't want those people picking somebody to lead them in two or three districts, I might pack them all into as few districts as possible. I might be such a good cheater. I pack them all into one district. So instead of being able to influence one solid district, two, three, four solid districts, they only have a shot at one. Or I can say, well, it's way too many of these people using their Umoja unity uh, situation here. So what we're going to do is break you all up. We're going to crack you into 511 districts. So instead of having a majority in one, two, or three districts, we might make it so you only are in like 5% of maybe 50 districts. Remember I said surgical precision, what the judges said that they did in North Carolina? They were that surgical. They were so good cheating. It was like surgical. It was like getting a new face. That's how surgically precise they were. That is the political cheating that we often call gerrymandering because it sounds much more lawyerly and sophisticated. It's cheating. I like how you say it better, Prentice. It's political cheating. It's political cheating. It's just political cheating. I'm glad you brought up North Carolina, because North Carolina, um, Alabama, Louisiana, Texas, Ohio are all places where people are politically cheating to dilute black voters' Mm. choices. Mm -hmm. Black voters' choices. We saw what happened on election night. Overwhelmingly, there were black voters and young people, even in Ohio, we had a surge in young voters in Ohio who showed up at the ballot and showed what their values were, voted for the candidates they want to see for a future they want. And people were shocked. They were like, wow, there was not this so-called red wave. There was a wave of regular people who decided that, no, we don't want our country to go back. But the only reason why a certain party is in power is because they stole two houses from Ohio. Mm. They stole a house from Alabama, stole a house from Louisiana, stole about two houses from North Carolina, about three from Texas, about four. You can steal a couple pieces from every state. Then you ain't got to win the whole chessboard because you already rigged the system. Mm. But guess what? Voters showed up and even overcome some of those places like in Ohio, which I'm going to come to that in a second. But let me talk about the other piece. The other thing around structural democracy form we got to do in Ohio is AVR, SDR. AVR is automatic voter registration. What that means is like when you go get your driver's license or you got to go get your ID, we know everybody had going to DMV. You want it to be quick. You want it to be easy. You just want to get in there and get out. 
when you go into DMV, you go and get your uh, registration done, they will automatically register you to vote. You ain't even got to think about it. Mm. Automatically register you to vote. That means more people get registered to vote. So we need that piece. More importantly, we need same-day registration, which is SDR. Mm. That means that you can register to vote and vote on the same day, They even on election day. Let me tell you why this is so important, back to the young people. So like Ohio, we don't have same-day registration. We have a deadline, 30 days out from the election, you have to be registered to vote in order to vote. There's other issues around early voting and drop boxes, but I'm not even going to go there now. They just talk about same-day registration. Right above us, our arrival, Michigan, have same-day registration. On average, there's a 10% bump mm. in their state election because of same-day registration. Wow. I know you all saw videos of young people standing in lines all around their university to go vote. Guess what? Those young people were not thinking 30 days out, like, oh, man, I got to go get registered to vote. Right. Name, tell me one, one young person that has done an assignment 30 days before it's due. I mean, I can tell, tell you what folks people. who ain't doing that. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, oh, now. Exactly. Think about it. If you tell a young people and grown folks that you got to get an assignment done 30 days before it's due, 30 days before you're going to cast your ballot, you got to get this thing done mm. that early. A lot of people don't do that. It's a structural barrier from people to participate in. Yeah. And we know it's a structural barrier because we look right up in Michigan, 10% more turnout because that structural barrier is gone. So we're fighting to change those two things in Ohio. So that we can actually have a fair fight. And then when you have a fair fight, you can win. Mm. And that is evidence of what happened in Ohio District 1 with the, with the Deloach family um, and what they did in their community. Because we fought and we won a fair district. It's not fully fair, but it's a fair district because we went to the court and sued and won five times. And now that district is more fair than it was before. And then we wow. saw what happened on election now, wait, you said the Deloach family. I know this name. And I, I feel like I, this is the family. They were like super voter registration. Is that, is this the same family yeah. I'm thinking? Okay, break this down. I actually, I think I actually asked my producer to reach out to them. I want them on this Deloach family. Listen up. Loretta, your favorites wants to talk to you. Tell us what they did and the impact that it, and this is a, an everyday family, as I understand it. It's, they are not voter everyday experts. Family. Talk to us about this family. No. So they're members of our organization. They're not just because you're a member of our organization doesn't mean you are an expert in voting or anything right. like that. Because we're, we're reaching out regular people. So they are in our in our a part of our organization. They um, spent the first half of the year registering voters, talking to them about the election. Um, Ebony Deloach um, is the is the sort of matriarch of the family, and she brought her whole family, and she brought her daughters in, she brought her uh, partner in, she brought her grandmother in, her great aunt, she brought everybody in, her mama in. And they all were out talking to voters. And so what happened with this particular family is that I was working with them. I was like, you know, we're going to do this thing called relational organizing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what is relational organizing? It is not anything new. It's super simple. Relational organizing is when a community leader like Ebony Deloach and her family goes out and talks to their friends and family about voting and then talk to them about what's their plan to vote, when they're going to vote, and make sure they actually have the, the, the information about who to vote for and how to go out and vote. The reason why this particular tactic is so potent is guess what? If I send you a text message and ask you to go out and vote, you might look at that message, you might delete it. You know, it ain't no coupon for Black Friday, so you ain't gonna look at it probably. <laughs> but guess what? If your mama texts you <laughs> or your grandmama texts you and asks you if you went out and vote, you're gonna read that text. That's right. You might pick up that phone call. You're more likely to show up because that's a trusted messenger in your life. Mm. And guess what? Black folks are so much better at reaching out to their own community 
And so we built out a program, one of the largest programs in the country that, that, that did relational organizing. Our entire program reached out to 75,000 families. But this particular wow. this particular piece was so amazing with the Deloach family. The Deloach family, in 25 days, uh, recruited over 1,000 volunteers in their community. Oh and God. those 1,000 volunteers reached 20,000 friends and family. And guess what? Because I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. I'm a data guy. I'm like, I want to see the numbers because you're not going, you're not going, um, you're not going to uh, say our stuff ain't real. Right. When we look at the data, when we look at the data, the people they talk to, 86% of the folks they talk to were African-American, 86%. Oh my God. And over 60, nearly over 60% of them were under 39 years old. So what I'm talking about, black folks, young folks in Hamilton County that also happened to be in um, Ohio District One. I went to that. Uh, I went to that party that night mm. where um, Democratic candidate won, and guess how many votes he won by? Fourteen thousand votes. Wow. Fourteen thousand votes. Fourteen thousand mm. votes. People, national pundits did did not imagine that this candidate, who was going up against a gerrymandered map. Mm. into a 24-year incumbent, a 24-year incumbent mm. will be able to defeat this person. He won by 14,000 votes. Mm. I told him, and I wrote a tweet about it, I was like, any candidate need to make sure they they thank the Deloach family in Hamilton County because they delivered, they delivered votes that mm. would not have shown up because they went out and talked to their friends and family and created one of the most impactful programs I think happened this year. That's round That's of applause worthy. We need, Brittany, I need air horns. I need round of applause. All, pew, 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 all the things, all the things. Yeah. Because what you're talking about, relational organizing, there's no hack for that, right? There's no, like, there's no, uh, well, I mass, I mass relationally organized. No, 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 this ain't like a mass tweet. This is actually people who care enough about what is happening in their physical community, in the actual community where they live, and then activating the people power that we all have access to. You said 75,000. That is absolutely phenomenal. And the fact that this one family was able to have uh, the impact that they did, that to me is a testament to what all of us can be doing. And I know when we, my, <laughs> some of my field organizers uh, came back, they were like, so relational organizing. I was like, that feel like we just talking to each other. Like, why we got to call it that? They were like, well, that's what what the people call it. So that's what we call it. It's relational the organizing. The tech industry has named it relational organizing yes. because they can build an app for it. Let me tell you, when I used the apps, I could not reach that many black people because, and I didn't want to go on that tangent, but like, mm. you know, if the tech, if you ain't fixed racism, the tech is not going to fix it. That's right. You know, the tech is not going to create space for it. But what we knew is that if we went out, we made it super simple. We did it pen and paper, old school, pen and paper QR codes. It was no tech, nothing. Folks going out having real conversations. Mm -hmm. And what's so great, you know, some people were questioning me, like, how could someone reach that many people that quickly? And when we did the math, on average, they only talked to six volunteers a day and asked them to talk to 20 people in their family. Six people. We all know six people. Wow. We all know six people. And so, like, we got to get out of our heads that we are waiting on somebody to come do this for us. Mm -hmm. Ain't nobody going to do this for us. We can make this happen for ourselves. 
You know what's funny is I've I've been speaking to a number of folks who are doing similar work to what you're doing uh, across the country. And one of the things that I keep coming up against is, and we, we had this conversation when we were here at, at SiriusXM for election night, and I was co-hosting with Karen Hunter, uh, Latasha Brown from Black Voters Matter was on. She's always amazing. Uh, but one of the things that, I, she's amazing. I mean, she's inspiration for days. Uh, but one of the things I couldn't quite get around, and I'm still struggling with this a bit, is what happens if, you know, we say we need investment in, in black organizers. We need to have investment in building out the party and the infrastructure. We need investment, investment, investment. I'm like, okay, I hear you. But what happened when the investment don't come because the racism's still there? Like, like if we can't organize around the racism, if it, the whiteness is still going to be a thing, then how do we still have a conversation that says we can do so much, but we need X? If X is behind the racism, I don't know that we ever going to get X. So for me, the conversation can't stop there. It's how do we organize in spite of the racism that is not going to allow the investment that we need? How do we recognize yeah. hey, that investment ain't never, no, never, not ever going to come, but we still need potholes fill we still need sidewalks we still need schools and hospitals we still need these things and it sounds to me like you all in ohio have cracked this code at least in terms of outreach such that i mean winning by fourteen thousand against a 24-year incumbent that is unheard of so this idea of relational organizing do you think this might be a way to get around the nut of white supremacy that's blocking the investment that we deserve and rightfully should have but cannot quite seem to get Absolutely. Absolutely. I think relational organizing is the future, it is the way mm-hmm. that we actually reach our communities. And let me let me say this other piece that I was just looking into this data the other day, and I might write, might write a piece about it. But um, I was looking at, um, we will match our um, our list. So they went out, talked to all these families, we will match these lists with the voter file. You know, there's um, there are companies, private companies who own um, election technology that allow you to check and see if someone is registered or on the list, blah, blah, blah. So we was checking this data. And, you know, about, you know, 80 to 86 percent, depending on the, the overall program, about 80 percent of the contacts are African-American, 20 percent are, are, are white Caucasian folks. When we match the Caucasian uh, folks to the uh, to the to the list, about 90 percent of those folks would match their voter information will show up, all that sort of stuff. When we match the 80 percent of African-Americans, 19 to 20 percent of those folks will show up in this election um, wow. voter file. And wow. so there's two things happen. One, yes, there are there are black folks who are not registered. That is true. But there's a larger issue happening where when we, when we go out and are saying that we're going to reach black folks in our the technology and the tools we use, we don't even have accurate, up-to-date information on black voters. Mm-hmm. But then the 20% of white voters that we've reached through here, most of them showing up on the list. So that means that even if I try to prioritize Black voters, if we're not doing relational organizing, building our own list, we're not even talking to them. Wow. We're not even reaching them. And so on every level, we have to actually focus our energy, reinvest our energy in finding and engaging our own communities because the tech and the files are not finding our folks. You can't target people you can't find. Mm. You can't target, you can't send them information. You cannot reach folks you cannot find. And we've found thousands of Black voters that are not being targeted by any campaign to be talked to. And to me, that is a that's a big issue for why, you know, and a big reason why we have to invest in the black um, led organizing infrastructure. Yeah. yeah. Relational is not not a cheap endeavor. It does take a lot of effort. You have to train people, you have to support folks. There's a, there's a whole wraparound service. Our data person was amazing. We 
we put our money where our mouth was. We focused on what no one else knew uh, or cared would make a difference. But now they care because they see the impact. They're like, well, how are you going to know that they turned out? How are you going to know that those folks are actually right? How you, all these questions. But we saw the impact in, 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 in um, Hamilton County and in, in Ohio District 1. Now everybody want to know how you do. I'm like, all you got to do is focus on for funding and supporting Black folks. If you let them do what they know how to do, you'll get what you need, you know. Um, and so to me, I think we got to be first and foremost courageous enough to, to believe in ourselves and, and fight mm -hmm. for what we know happen for ourselves. And we can't wait for people to see us to do the thing that needs to be done. We got to see ourselves for do it. And hmm. then people will start to see. And at that point, you get to set the terms of how they get to show up for you. I love everything about this. I love everything about this from the recognition that the data and the tech does not see us. But when we see us, we see all of us, right? When you're just looking at the tech, you're going to miss a whole lot of black. But if you look at the black, you might help influence the tech. And I think the idea of relational organizing, we saw it at the Center for Law and Social Justice. So when I'm not on these airwaves, I run a law center. So like at the law center, I run, we saw the very same thing, having person-to-person -person contact. We had Medgar Evers College students on the ground in all five of the boroughs, like going, talking to people in person because we, we realized early on, you can give me a half a million dollars for digital investment, but if you give me half a million dollars for people investment, my people investment is going to way outdo your digital investment because digital ads, commercials, that's cute. It's a nice supplement. I'll take it, but I need on the ground resources so that I can deploy my people because when I deploy us, when us talk to us, us going to relate. We going to relate. We going to get to the ballot box. There is no path that I believe. There's no path to liberation through marketing us to liberation. Come on, bro. Tech tools, TV. I mean, those are tactics that we can use, but it's a marketing tactic. You're trying to persuade me to do a thing, but I'm not trying to persuade someone through a marketing tactic. I'm trying to be in relationship with folks mm. and actually hear what people are struggling with and move through transformation rather than a marketing ploy to get me to show up. Our, our electoral system, this is why democracy, I think, is in peril is that we have focused so much on trying to use marketing techniques and, and capitalistic techniques to get people to do something that's actually about agency. Wow. That's actually about agency and transformation. If you focus on agency and transformation, then your mind will go directly to we have to talk to people. Mm. You cannot skip the part of engaging and investing and talking to people. That's where transformation and human, the cultivation of human agency starts. And that's why we focus on it. And that's why we know it works. Because mm. you can always add in and layer in all the sophisticated ways that we've created technology to reach people and connect. I believe in those things. But you can't skip transformation. You cannot, you can't manufacture transformation. It has mm. to actually be there. Mm. And when it's there, you can do a lot from there. And so we're tilling the soil to make that transformation happen. Because, you know, one thing I'll say in the OC is like, we cannot promise a policy change. We're in Ohio. We can't promise a policy change. We can't promise a candidate will win. But we, what we can promise you is that you'll be transformed through the process because transformed people are way safer in our communities and transformed people change the world. Wow. Regular people change the world. Mm. Prentice, we have to get you to come back. This is, the work that you all are doing is is no, but this is the conversation that I need us to have. We've had, we've done, we do voting here. We do elections here. We are clear about picking the Kings and Queens. We're going to sit in the thrones of power, but the idea that we can do this 
and we might have to do this on our own, that makes people feel a little shaky in the boots. And so I need to have as many folks like you on this show who let us know, oh, yeah, not only can we do it, but we do it better than they do. And we do it so well. We busting out incumbents. We get knocking off 24-year incumbents uh, on the strength of the power of the people and families like the Deloach family. Uh, you are amazing. The work that you all are doing are, is amazing. And it's given me some, some hope and some encouragement. How can people follow you? How can they follow your organization? And uh, Shayla, I'm going to need you to reach out to his people and them so we can get them back on the show because that, I want to have a whole segment, whole conversation on what or, relational organizing looks like. Uh, give us your, your socials, Prentice, so we can connect with you further. I will. I will. I'll give you my Twitter if Twitter still exists know, after this week. We'll... <laughs> so my, my Twitter is Prentice Haney. So P-R-E-N-T-I-S-S-H-A-N-E-Y. So at Prentice Haney. So you can follow me there. And then the follow, um, that's also on um, the other socials. So just use the same the same hashtag, the same uh, handle. And then for uh, Ohio Organizing Collaborative is O-H Organizing. So O-H-O-R-G-A-N-I-Z-I-N-G. If you follow us on Twitter, that's where you get the most information. But you can follow us on Instagram and all the other socials, Facebook, all the places. I love it. Thank you so much for doing this work and for giving us some encouragement, some excitement. I, I, I'm going to keep hope alive for Ohio because apparently y'all got y'all got plans. <laughs> y'all got some things happening. <laughs> it's been a real pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate the conversation.